This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mopac Audio. It wasn't very long after we got married that I found out that really he'd never been faithful to me. You trust this man only to find out that he has a perversion. He left his phone at home one day and I picked it up and I saw he had missed calls. It was a out-of-state number, so it was really strange. I mean, I would generally recognize who it was. And I looked it up, and it was from a, like a porn site. Open Group Therapy calls on a revolving cast of members each week to complement the work of renowned psychologist, Dr. Matthew Paradise. Each episode focuses on one person's experience. You'll hear that person interacting with peers in the group whose names they might not even know, but whose counsel and compassion are impactful nonetheless. You'll also hear that person speaking in private with Dr. Paradise. This is a time when Dr. Paradise can discuss the group experience as it relates to the individual. Dr. Paradise uses a mixture of direct questioning along with humor to both support and challenge the group. He provides an attentive ear, but will also call someone out. Dr. Paradise speaks openly and expects others to do the same. Only through this kind of open dialogue can real growth occur. So in this week's episode, we talk with Coco. Over the course of Coco's marriage, she started to find things out about her husband, things that were really disturbing to her, that he visited porn sites. There was probably some other stuff going on that was definitely inconsistent with what she thought her husband should be doing, but at the same time, she doubted herself and she gave him a lot of free passes. She seemed to ignore a lot of obvious signs that he was acting in ways that she wouldn't want in her husband. And at the same time, she really struggled to let him go. So even as she was making these discoveries about his character and who he was, she clung to him in a way that kept her stuck in the relationship. My name is Coco. So I met my husband in church, and um, I met him teaching through the Bible in 90 days. So you're teaching a course together? No, no, he wasn't. I was in the course. Okay, I was okay. taking the course. So I, I met him in Sunday school and uh, met him at church, and he was teaching that, and he was teaching theology at a college. And um, 
the master's you know phd level and so um i just thought you know he's conservative he's christian he has this wonderful background and so though i didn't find him attractive in looking at him i he was just so intelligent i was attracted to him like it it all changed i looked at him and he didn't really look like a rumpled mess he was you know, so intelligent. And so it just seemed like this is a really good combination. I found everything, this faithful Christian man. Felt like a good match with you. It did, yeah. it did. And um, and probably the most important is he was intelligent. And I just am so attracted to that. It went along and I was just resistant and I just didn't want to get married. And so we were together and he probably pursued me for seven years. Wow. And during that time, I was raising my son, and we were gone on the weekends to activities for him. And it was so great because he didn't mind that I was gone on the weekends. And so who would be like that? Who would mind not mind that you were gone with your kids all the time and, mm -hmm. and you had all these activities? And I thought it was really great. And so ultimately, I got very ill. And so after seven years, you went ahead and got married? I did. Did you get ill before or after the... Before. Okay. So I got to the point where I really thought I wasn't going to live. I could barely walk. My back hurt so bad. And all I would do is I would work and I would come home and sleep. And that was it. And my son was living with his father at the time. And so my future husband literally came over and took care of me. I mean, like, I couldn't do very much to take care of myself at the time. It was really scary. So at that point, I was like, you know, he loves me. He'll take care of me. I mean, who would want to even be around during a time like this? And so ultimately, we got married. And it wasn't very long after we got married that I found out that really he'd never been faithful to me. What was he doing? Uh, porn and... Um, this is your Sunday school teacher. This is my, okay. yeah, my Sunday school teacher, PhD in theology, ordained minister. So that was not what I was expecting. And I just pretty much had a breakdown because I how, just- How far believe. into the marriage was it when you- It was only, of... it was three years. And so it was crazy because he'd pursued me for so long. Okay. Well, we're 10 years into knowing this guy. 10 years. And you get these revelations for lack of a better word. Um, and what'd you do? So we went to a therapist who knew both of us and the therapist said, well, if you would lose weight and be intimate with him more often, there's the solution. Oh my God. You had a reaction to that, Olga? <laughs> to the therapist, fire him. Yeah, it was like horrifying. I, I mean, I felt so bad because he'd already told me that it was my fault. It's like, it's your fault that, that I did all this. And so... How did you find out? He left his phone at home one day. And I picked it up and I saw he had missed calls. And so I just opened it and I thought, oh, you know, probably his, his sister or somebody. Like, somebody's calling him a whole bunch of times, though. And I opened it and it was an out-of-state number, so it was really strange. I mean, I would generally recognize who it was. And it just occurred to me to look up the telephone number online and I looked it up and it was from a like a porn site and so when I questioned him he said well no that's just because I needed to buy Viagra online I'm like 
well, how come I didn't know you had a problem? And so he was really telling me all these crazy things and, and I believed him. So Nina's silently making faces over here. <laughs> what do you think? What are you, what are you thinking, well, Nina? First of all, thank you, Dr. Matthew. Okay, goodness. My first thought was, what kind of porn site calls people back? Like, what? You had to order your place. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, and I'm not questioning that, but I'm like, you know, these, nowadays this is just so crazy. Yeah. Right. In that they lie and you trust, especially he was a pastor, and you know, you trust this man. Um, and then only to find out that he has not just a just a drinking problem or like it's it's you know, just a bit perversion there, which you know, it's alarming for me. Yeah, and it wasn't what she was expecting for sure, right? right? No, you don't expect your Sunday school teacher right, to have exactly. a, a porn issue, okay. Yes. So what happened after all the stuff came out? So I guess initially I thought it was just online because, you know, he was saying, oh, it's just online. Sorry, I've just got this maybe porn addiction. And, you know, and I call people on the phone and it's like, okay. And I believed that for a long time. And I guess I wanted to believe it. And it probably got bigger than that. But you're right. I, I asked him the same thing and I don't know. He just kept talking and I eventually probably wanted to believe that it wasn't anything else. I kept saying, but why would, how would they have your phone number then? I mean, that doesn't make any sense if you're watching something online. So you went to the unhelpful therapist. <laughs> yeah. And at that time we were still believing that really it was just an incident of online and it okay. really didn't mean anything. So bring us up forward. What so happened? then, then later things, crazy things would happen. Like, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and he wouldn't be in bed. And then when I would get up, like he would run and put his laptop in the cabinet in the bathroom. And I'm like, well, why is it here? And so more and more crazy things are one night I got up and I actually believed when he told me this, I got up and I heard like a woman's voice on the phone. I was sure I heard a woman's voice and I went in and I'm like, I hear a woman's voice. What is that? And he got up and he hugged me and he goes, oh, I love you so much. There's no voice. I mean, I'm still hearing, he goes, you're not hearing anything. There's no voice. And I, so I thought I was really going crazy for a while because I would question him on things mm -hmm. and he would just act like I was crazy. And so I did go to the therapist because I thought, I'm just losing my mind. Um, but now I look back and go, oh my gosh, of course there was a voice on the phone and I was hearing it. But I don't know how I convinced myself, or I don't know how I let him convince me that I wasn't. I mean, I'm... So you were in denial for a while. I was. How long before you started thinking about changing the relationship? Probably, I don't know, three to four months. And okay. then we tried to do recovery. I thought, okay, I can get over this because I really don't want a divorce. I can get over this. We'll just work through it. But ultimately, I couldn't get over it. I think he couldn't stop was one of the problems is he couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't keep getting over it. And so I ended up having a breakdown and um, my church split, you know, getting a divorce, found out that where I was working, that I wouldn't have my pension completed. I mean, and there wow. were more things that all happened at once. And so I got physically ill and I just couldn't get out of bed for about three months. Unfortunately, I literally quit. I just quit and laid in bed. So bring us up to the present. 
So we tried to recovery for a very long period of time and I tried to get over it. And ultimately we divorced. I let him live in the house for two more years afterwards. And then because- <laughs> Did you see? <laughs> I know. The Earl, I know I all too well that. about that one, okay? I just, you know, I just thought if I could work through it and he could work through it, we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, the point is that ended up like, I literally quit my job. I mean, I've been doing it for 15 years. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I don't quit things. So I literally, I couldn't get out of bed. So no, I mean, it was like, it was like a hard stop to my life at that point. So what are you dealing with now? So I, I was obviously emotionally unavailable and I feel like I still go towards emotionally unavailable. You're it's drawn like, to I that feel kind of like again, so I liked the intelligence and, and I liked a lot of things about him, which it seems to continue to draw me towards emotionally unavailable people. So the being attracted to what we left, because a lot of times, even if the marriage didn't work out, that's still our template, right? There was something in him that drew you in, even though the marriage went so badly and rewriting that template's really important. That's one of the reasons you hear the admonition not to date right away is if we don't take the time to rewrite the template, we find ourselves right back with the same person, different name, but the same person. I have a question. Is he still preaching and living the godly life and the porn life simultaneously? I think he's better now. I choose to believe he's better. And um, he is still doing some things that are active in the church. And he still goes to your church? No, he goes to a different church. and. Um, so, you know, I don't choose to go tell them anything. Maybe he's better. And if he's better, then I don't want to ruin things for him. And, you know, at the time, I really, I hated him so much. I hate, I cannot tell you how much I hated him. At one point I told him, I mean, it's awful. I said, I would kill you, but I'm afraid to go to jail. <laughs> and if I weren't, I would really kill you. I mean, truly, I would kill you. Thank you for making that okay, Amber. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you mentioned that you wanted to kill your ex. I did. And, and the group sort of jumped in and cheered <laughs> you on. How did, how did that feel? Um, I think that that anger and betrayal, like it just, I don't have a lot of anger typically. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like people can understand when you have that flash of anger, yep. like you're just so angry about it because you can't do anything about it. You can't stop it and you can't undo it. But I disagree with you about you can't do anything about it. The flash of if, anger? If your only strategy is to be more accommodating, you're right. So if your only remedy is to be more tolerant, you're right, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. But if you have other remedies like sticking up for yourself and maybe even leaving are available to you, you have everything to do, right? Right. Yeah. And I think part of the reason the group like laughed with you is that is a normal emotion, right? To have a strong negative feeling, but mm -hmm. and the, the humor sort of lets some of the danger out of it. But 
You didn't kill him. You, in fact, you let him sleep on your couch. That's true. Yeah. Why do we think Coco is still attracted to emotionally unavailable guys who may be handy when you're physically laid up? Because she hasn't changed her template. So how do you change your template? Well, I don't know. I probably would have done that if I'd known. I, I was thinking of yeah. this too. I actually let him live in my house too, because it actually was my house. I let him live in my house for two years after we were divorced, and then another two years of so not, we know not we know what he got out of that, which is a free room, right? What did you get out of having him in the house? I'm fear based, and so he reduces my fear. Though I can completely support myself and him, I'm still afraid. And I just have a general fear. Like being alone, kind of. Failure, being alone, um, you know, I I don't know. I just have an overall fear. A a failure? No. It's a luxury for me. For a long time, it can be because you never really had to think about it before. And and not saying this more like failure, it's just. Like you never had to think about that whole concept. And then it's like, well, when you're by yourself, it's like, why am I by myself again? And then you start noticing people that are with people. And it's like, well, what did they do to get with somebody? Like what yes. in the world is going on? You know what I mean? And that is based on Absolutely. the presumption that if you're a high quality person, you're going to be with somebody else. And if you're a low quality person, you'll be by yourself. And that is not true. I met someone in the interim and he was like a nice man. He was so nice and we went out to eat a couple of times and you know he told me i'm retired and i have my million dollars and I'm like oh wow yeah okay that works because you know together we'd be fine and i mean he's telling me all these great things about him and i love it and i can't be attracted to him in any way i mean i not even I, for a million dollars i could that is a horrible point that is the point not even for a million dollars and because I knew who he worked for, I knew he was telling me the truth. Not even for a million dollars. No, but I could still be attracted to the one who had no savings, no nothing. I could still say that I would find, you know, other couple of men who have no money at all. I could find them attractive. But for him, I tried. So but some, I couldn't. Somebody set her straight. I don't straight. know. Somebody set her straight. Corday, I'm sending your money. Money won't do it. I wish it would. <laughs> my question is, I, I think that like we all tend to get something out of what we're attracted to, mm-hmm. and so for you, you know what you're, what you like, what you're attracted to, but what do they give you? That gives you that is it security of knowing that they'll be with you because you have something that they cling to and they're not going anywhere and that's good enough for you, or but they like, do go somewhere is a problem. I mean, they're but they're it's, not. It's, but they're still with you. And you know you have to find that problem if you tend to look, or it just kind of falls in your lap. But they're not gone. You know they're still there. You can talk to mm-hmm. them and tell them about mm-hmm. themselves, and that in itself is still a comfort. You can choose what you want to deal with. They're not how much you want to argue or whatnot, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. And some people have that security, and it's like, well, I know where you are. You're with me. We're dealing with these things, but it's us. You know. Whereas other people are like, I don't even know where he is. Is he going to come back tonight? Like he hadn't been here for a week. He could be out with some other woman. You know that kind of. So security for some people is everything. And so it's like, what is it for you? What do they give you? But I'm not as afraid when they're around. I'm afraid, I can't even tell you what the fear is. It's just a general pervasive fear that I have. And so I'm not as afraid. You know, I laid down a couple of days ago. Even when you got the guy in your, I'm assuming he was in your guest room, after you divorced him? Sofa, on the living room sofa. Even better. 
uh, get a dog. <laughs> we had one. We had one. That's what kept me in contact with him for two more years afterwards, or three. <laughs> I'm just wondering what function this guy on your sofa, it just makes you feel safe? Mm-hmm. If somebody broke in the house? Not even that. No, just safe and that I can get up and function the next day. But that's false security. This guy, you don't need, that guy, this guy who's a liar. I mean, I don't care if he's but doing still porn, like if you were today. okay with porn. He lied to you like big time. I know he did. Really and, did. And to this day, I still like him. But I mean, I don't, I mean, no, like the, I had horrible feelings towards him. I thought I would never, but you know what? I just think, well, are you not more if I was when I started finding out all the lies, I'm going, who is this? And what else is he hiding? Do you not even, are you not even afraid of that? Does that not cross your mind? Like this guy in the sofa, what else is he hiding? Could he be awful? I no. I guess what I do is I just still see the one that I think he is. So you're still, I'm, I still see that one. And so I don't, but, but I just get rid of that if, other one. It's so interesting because I think these withdrawn guys, there's more undefined potential there. And you fill in those blanks with like wonderful, colorful details. Like the, what you don't know about him is great. And the million dollar man over here, he's, you know everything. You know his best qualities. You know everything. Know. And there's nothing to fill in. Oh. Right? It's, that's, a it, that's, that's a written book with a... A final chapter on the page and that's not nearly as appealing to you as this unwritten book that might have gibberish on the pages you just don't know it yet you revealed some sort of pretty dramatic stuff about your ex and the group reacted to it how was that for you it just doesn't feel dramatic to okay. me. You know, okay. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get it. It feels dramatic to other people, but it just doesn't feel dramatic to me. It's just the norm to me. So that's interesting. Because <laughs> the group saw it as pretty dramatic, I didn't I realize they? that. I mean, I, I, I see the response to it, but I guess I don't have that same feeling. So what do you think that means that a group of, oh, they're strangers, right? having a really strong reaction to your story mm-hmm. and you're thinking, oh, it's not really that big a deal. I mean, I did think about it later on and I'm just thinking, I really come back to that point where I never have that fight of I just don't deserve things. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I had that like, I can't believe you did this because I don't deserve it, maybe it would feel as shocking to me as it yeah, did to them. Yeah, it's almost like the group was willing to stick up for you in a way that you weren't Want to stick agree. up for yourself. I would agree with that. And they did it like quickly. They did. Yeah, I mean, they jumped right in there. Oh, no, I can't. Believe. You know, they were very adamant that you were, I guess, mistreated or misled or something. But you're more comfortable with the idea of, oh, it's not a big deal. Nothing's big. I guess I, guess I put it on myself a lot because I did see red flags mm-hmm. and I feel like it was my fault for overlooking the red flags. And I even went to a therapist that my spouse at the time had gone Mm -hmm. to. The therapist, you know, assured me that, you know, I was just probably overreacting and I was probably reacting incorrectly. And, you know, I thought because he was a therapist and because I was just going on my gut, he probably you was right. You wanted to trust the authority figure. And I did. So if you went to a restaurant and maybe you saw some red flags, like the floor was dirty or some smell came out of the kitchen and they came out and they served you food that was spoiled. 
Would you keep eating it? I would hope not. <laughs> you know, I, I would, I would say, like, I would go back to, yeah, somebody asked me that. Like, I'm like, that wasn't very good last time we went there. And, like, and you went again? I'm like, uh, yeah, I did. So that's a pattern for you. It's a pattern for me. Like, well, so maybe when, the next time I'll be when different. When you're served a bad meal, uh-huh. rather than getting up from the table, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I should have known. I should have well, Order something better. different next time. Right. But you finish the meal. And maybe you even go back to the restaurant. Probably, yes. Yeah, that's maybe they will. I hope you come back because that may be your homework next time <laughs> is, is to try something new because even though you saw the red flags uh-huh. and you ignored them, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's too late to pay attention to them. It's almost like you're like, well, you know, I, he's already in my life. I already got him. I'm already hooked on him. Too late now. And it's interesting that you take the blame for behavior that you find unacceptable. Well, I felt like a failure. In what way? Well, I'd been married once before for 16 years, and that one didn't work. So I felt like no matter what, I should make this one work, and I should stay in it no matter what. You know, I hear that in second marriages, that there's an even greater pressure to stay in a bad situation because maybe everybody's entitled to one divorce, but the second divorce means there's something really wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yep. But that's kept you around this person that's doing stuff that you're not okay with. It definitely did. I don't think it's increased your self-esteem. No. Has it benefited your life? He was a good stepfather. Okay. You talked about fear. Remember the fear? Yes. Tell me, what's the fear? The fear is almost always there, and it's a fear of failure, of not not being enough and fear of failure. So it's the fear of, I really do deserve to be alone because I'm not good enough to be with somebody. Maybe not that I don't deserve to be alone, but that if I get somebody who doesn't treat me well, I don't necessarily think I don't deserve it. I just think, why can't I be more tolerant? So your reaction to an inadequate partner is to try to increase your level of tolerance? Yes. What would an alternative reaction to an inadequate partner be? I can see from the group that the reasonable reaction would be to leave that partner or to voice my complaint and see if they were willing to change. Yeah, to set some terms. But I think it's funny, you measure your success in your ability to tolerate bad behavior. Probably so. Yeah, that's sort of a recipe for codependence. We want to stay on top of that. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being here. I hope you come back. I want to hear how things get better for you. Okay. Thank you. One of the real benefits of the group for many people that attend is that the group is particularly good at challenging a person's presumptions about what they need in a future partner. Because coming out of a relationship, people can go one of two directions. They can either look for somebody entirely different than their old partner. And that usually goes wrong because there were absolutely things that you value in the person you were married to. And if you throw out the baby with the bathwater, 
you end up finding people that you're not really attracted to because there was something about that person that got you in the first place. So if you overcorrect by choosing the opposite, you get in trouble. And conversely, people will end up with exactly the same kind of person that they left. And that means that they didn't take care to evaluate what was wrong with the person they were with. And then they fall into a similar relationship with another person who has similar qualities. And I suspect that for Coco, the challenge may be that she may look for another man of strongly professed faith, and then she risks being disappointed again. Coco may want to look for somebody with maybe less publicly expressed faith and more strong character and she may pay a special attention to his private behaviors because that's what undermined her relationship was not that his faith went downhill in any way. He was still a pastor, but the private behavior is what ended it for her. So she may start by looking at the private behavior first and that could take a while in a relationship, but I hope that she's given up the presumption that surface level appearance is always gonna match what's inside. Thank you for listening to Decoupling, Group Therapy with Dr. Paradise. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, Dr. Paradise would love to hear your questions or comments. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at DecouplingPod or on Facebook on the Decoupling Podcast page. Decoupling, Group Therapy with Dr. Paradise is a Mopac audio production. Producers are Chris Moss, Shannon McGarvey, and Jonathan Beal. Editing and music composition by Blake Maples. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.